Good morning and Merry Christmas. It is so good to be together on this Christmas Eve as we celebrate the Lord's birth. And we are going to be continuing our series, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And we're going to be looking today at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to verse 35. As we get ready to read that text, uh, just a reminder, the word hark uh, means to pay close attention to, to give heed to. And the last three weeks we've looked at stories where we harked or we leaned in and we heeded and sought to pay attention to the message of an angel, first to Mary, then to Joseph, and then to the shepherds. This morning our text is not an angel, but the Holy Spirit. So Hark the Holy Spirit's message to us this morning. Uh, in fact, the story that we're going to read is about a family who is trying to get to worship on Christmas. They didn't know it was Christmas, uh, the Christmas season, but they were trying to get to church. And I just want to say a thank you for braving the, the weather to come and worship this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but... I actually had a very difficult time getting here this morning on the very simplest of things, deciding what to wear. I truly do not give any heed or thought to what I'm going to wear until the Sunday that I wake up and it's usually rotate through. I haven't worn that in a couple of weeks and there's this go with the next jacket. And I woke up this morning going, oh man, it's Christmas Eve. I probably should wear something Christmassy. My first inclination was to grab my my favorite Christmas sweater, which is a Batman-themed Christmas sweater. And I thought, you know, that if I was just attending, maybe, but I don't think I can go for that. And then I put on just a regular red sweater, and I thought, man, I don't know, this may be too casual to be up there. And then I thought, well, let me put a, a collared shirt under it. And then I just looked poofy, and then I just thought, I've got to get out the door. And so I grabbed a red tie. That's the best I could come up with. And at the end of the day... Well, thank you. I, that's, wow, you know, <laughs> applause over a tie. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, no matter what you or I wore today, the main goal is not our outer appearance, but our heart's attention to what God has for us as we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so here is yet another family trying to get to worship. And so let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. It says this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, him being baby Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now Jesus' father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. In fact, a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, in this passage, let me just give you a little bit of the context because what has happened right before this is what we've looked at previous in the last few weeks. It's the Christmas story. It's the birth narrative. An angel comes to Mary and says, the Holy Spirit is going to conceive in you a child. And you'll name him Emmanuel, God with us. And an angel appears to Joseph in a dream saying, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back from taking Mary to be your bride because God has conceived in her a child. And you will name him Jesus, Yahweh saves. And they make their way to the census town of Bethlehem to be counted. And they stay in an inn. And Mary gives birth to Jesus. And it's commemorated by angels appearing to shepherds who make their way celebrating the birth of Christ. This is the Christmas story. And then because Mary and Joseph were good, faithful Jewish um, believers, they took him, verse 21 of this passage says, they took him to be circumcised on the eighth day and then about 40 days after the birth of Jesus, after Jesus was born in that stable, in that, placed in that manger, they make their way to the temple. One for Mary, a purification rite after having a child and because Jesus was the firstborn, they were to offer him um, as holy, setting him apart as holy as the firstborn son of the family. And we know that Mary and Joseph did not have a lot of money. Um, this gives some evidence to the fact that some of you may or may not know that um, our nativity scenes where the wise men show up, that's a little bit of time compressed. They didn't show up on the night of his birth because they gave frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And that would have given them enough money to buy a lamb for the sacrifice, which was what was required according to Leviticus chapter 12. But provision was made for those who were of humble means that they could give either a couple turtle doves or a couple of pigeons. And so that is what Mary and Joseph did. They made sacrifice on behalf to the Lord to set apart Jesus. And in this moment, as they're walking through the temple, making their way to worship, in comes a guy that we know very little about. In fact, the few verses we have here is all we know about him is a guy named Simeon. Simeon walks in, and here's what we know about him. He's righteous, he's been devout, and he has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is an Isaiah phrase for the messianic age or the coming of the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. 
He's been waiting. In fact, God had promised him that he would not die until he had seen it. And these two families, this family and this man, converge in the temple court. And all of a sudden, Simeon just scoops up Jesus, it says, embraces him in his arms. I, I don't know about you, we've got a lot of kids in the room, but um, have you ever had that experience where you're out in public, and uh, I, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but like an old man just like gives something to your kids or wants to talk to them. I, I remember taking my kids when they were a lot younger to Golden Corral. I love a good buffet. And walking in, an older gentleman just stopped us at the door and said, I've got two silver dollars for your kids. And I'm like, cool, you know. And, and he didn't give me one. It was just for the kids. But this older man comes and Simeon, scoops up Jesus, and this has got to be a little bit stunning, and then he starts praying a blessing to God. And he makes this statement. It starts, as for Luke, he's telling us this story to foreshadow what Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection would mean for us. And he begins to praise God, and he says, this child is a light to the Gentiles. And the glory of Israel. And he also makes this pronouncement, Lord, you have kept your promise to me that I would not die till I saw this moment that your salvation, your Messiah has entered the scene. Now I can go die in peace. Then he turns to Mary as they're marveling, sort of, wow, you know, every, every few weeks somebody's coming and saying something amazing about our child and his, his purpose. But Simeon then turns, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, and says, this child is going to be a stumbling block. It is going to cause some to rise and it's going to cause some to fall. And then he looks Mary dead in the eyes and says, in fact, it's going to be as if a sword is piercing your own soul as well. And it's going to reveal, this child will reveal the thoughts of people's hearts. So let's unpack this story for just a few moments before we do our candle lighting, because I think this will be a great lead-in to that. I know if you have a, a life point outline, it's sort of blank. That's just because of the, the schedule of the week in the office. But we do have some points on the screen. Number one, I want you to notice the divine appointment. The divine appointment. It says that Simeon, filled with the Holy Spirit, makes his way into the temple. I, I don't know what you feel about the idea of coincidence this morning, but I'm here to tell you that there are no coincidence when it comes to God. It is providence. Simeon, filled with the Holy Spirit, at just the right time makes his way into the temple at the exact same time that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus into the temple. A promise had been made to Simeon and it converges in this moment. Here, here's the truth. There is a convergence of a God-honoring family and a Holy Spirit-led believer in this moment. A family says we're going to do exactly what the law has said as righteousness under the, under the Old Testament. We're going to be there. And then one who's led by the Holy Spirit ends up there and they 
meet. See, everything about Jesus is perfectly on time. The book of Galatians tells us that at just the right time, Christ was born and died for us. This is true on so many levels. One just instance of why it was at the exact right time is that at this time, Rome, the Roman Empire had conquered and this part of the world and was overseeing it. And they had created an incredible roadway system that was connecting the world. We think that the world is, uh, it's a small world after all. This was the beginning of the world starting to feel small because you could travel anywhere. Here's why that's important. Jesus is born, he dies, and he tells his disciples go to the ends of the earth and they are able to do it because of the roadway system at just the right time. I don't know if you've ever had this experience of what I would call a divine appointment. I didn't make that up. A lot of people say that actually. But this divine appointment between Simeon and Jesus and his family. In fact, over the last couple of weeks, I have talked to some of you and have heard story after story of not coincidence, but providence of God's perfect timing of this person coming here and you meeting them or at this moment a need arose. And I don't, I don't have permission to share those particular stories. I'm just telling you that over the last few weeks I have heard of God orchestrating events even in the lives of our people. It reminds me of a story I can tell which was um, a long time ago now. But in college I remember knocking on doors, me and my roommate just knocking on doors of apartments, inviting college students to our church ministry, and boy, people did not like that. Um, and they, you know, a lot of slammed doors, and y'all are crazy, and all this kind of stuff. But we knocked on one more door, and a guy named Brandon opens the door and says, I was just praying, God, if you're real. Would you let me know? And we show up on his door, two college kids. Hey, would you like to come join us at church? God orchestrates events. Not only was Brandon's life changed, but we got a great third baseman on our church softball team. <laughs> he works in mysterious ways. But just notice, at just the right time, there are no coincidences. And may I just say this? As we think about Christmas Eve, I don't know how or why you got here today or why you're watching online today. But please know, it's not coincidence. Nothing with Jesus is a coincidence. It is providence. Secondly, this morning as we look at this story, we notice that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. What Simeon prophesies, he is a Jewish man. What he prophesies by the Holy Spirit is that Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. Now, if you are Jewish here this morning, then he says something to you. That Jesus will be the glory of, the, uh, of Israel, of the Jewish people. But I would wager that the vast majority of us in this room are not Jewish. And do you understand that without Jesus, Gentiles like us would remain in darkness? See, a light 
This idea of Jesus is the light of the world means that he is a light in darkness, that we can now see hope, we can now have relationship with God. Otherwise, we remain in darkness. I'm reminded uh, when Jennifer and I were in seminary, we saved up our money to go on a little little vacation, just the two of us, and we drove from Fort Worth, Texas, out to Carlsbad, New Mexico, to go to Carlsbad Cavern. Caverns. Boy, that's just harder to say than I thought it would be. And I remember it was one of the first caves that I'd ever gone into, and we get in, we walk through, and we wind away, and we end up paying for one of the tours to go into a further section. And I remember we went into this one area. I mean, we are deep into this cave. And they were telling the story of how this cave was found. And this guy would just come in with a lantern and explore and chart the different rooms. And this was hundreds of years previous to our being there. And one day he was in there charting a room that they now call like Solomon's throne room or something like that. And he got a little sidetracked of time and his lantern burned out. I mean, it is, I can't even describe how far and he is scrambling around in that cave. Because if you've ever been in a cave, it, without light, it is pitch black darkness. Like I thought I had been in darkness before. And you do the, can I see the hand in front of my face, the John Cena. And I could usually see something. But when we were in there, they said, now we're going to turn the lights out for a few moments. So you can get a sense of what that would have been like for him. And they turned the lights out, and it was utter darkness. I began to think to myself, if I had to even try to get out of here, it would be impossible. I, I would die down there, wandering around, probably fall off some cavernous cliff. And this guy had, you know, as the legend goes, he's got three matches. The first two don't work. And, oh, finally the last one, he lights the lantern and is able to get out. But in that sort of darkness, your only hope is light. And I'm just telling you this Christmas Eve morning, our only hope when it comes to God and our relationship with him and our eternity is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It is why we celebrate this morning is because Jesus was born to be a light to the world. And for those who were in utter darkness, we now have a light of escape from darkness. We call it here on the hill that people are awakened from death to life in Christ. This is why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas All the other things are fun, but this is the heart of why Jesus is the light of the world. Number three, notice or heed the sobering choice before you. Heed the sobering choice before you. Simeon makes this incredible announcement literally days after Jesus has been born. This miraculous Uh, incarnation of God with us. And he says he's going to be light of the world, but then he looks at his parents. He looks specifically at Mary and says, this child, some will rise and some will fall. He's he's echoing the language of 
the idea that Jesus would be the chief cornerstone, a stumbling block for some, and the cornerstone that we build our lives on for others. Now when he tells Mary, even your own soul, it's going to feel like a sword is going through it. What does he mean there? I believe what he's saying is you are going to see your son opposed in ways you cannot even imagine. See, right now in this moment, 40 days later, they've had angel visits, they've had shepherd visits, they've got this old man that has embraced their child visits, but in about 33 years, he's going to be opposed and he's going to be crucified. And Simeon says to a mother, watching your son go through this is going to be like a sword piercing your own soul. See, here's the reality this morning. Jesus, there is no two ways about it. You are either going to build your life upon him or you are going to stumble and fall and reject him. It's one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. I mean, you think about certain foods. If I were to say black licorice, there are some that are like best thing ever and everybody else outside of those three people are going to be like disgusting. I, I hate it. When it, I mean, there's, there's a reason there are memes around Halloween about candy corn. You either love it or you hate it. There are certain movies that people love or they hate. Napoleon Dynamite, if you've seen that, you're either like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever or what are we doing here right now watching this? I found out my wife and I are on opposite sides of a movie. I bought her one year the movie The Princess Bride. And I thought, oh, this will be a fun movie for us. She's like, I hate that movie. I'm like, well, let's put that in the yard sale, I guess. You love it or you hate it. There's Christmas music that you either love or you hate. You got an opinion on Mariah Carey's deal. There's actually this thing I heard about by, uh, called Whamageddon. Have you heard about this, Whamageddon? Um, the, the band Wham did a Christmas song uh, last Christmas. And there are groups of people all over the country that play a tournament that if you are someplace and you hear Wham's virgin, version of last Christmas, you're out of the tournament. And it's the last one standing because they just don't like that song anymore. You either love it or you hate it. And the last thing Simeon says the last thing he says to her is that Jesus will reveal the inner thoughts of the heart. The inner thoughts of the heart is only something that you and the Lord know this morning, that you will either embrace Christ or you will reject him. You will either love him or by your actions you will show that you actually hate or reject him. One of my favorite videos um, around Christmas is these guys called the Skit Guys. They're well known in youth pastor world. Um, I wasn't sure if I could show it because of our live, live stream, but they've got this one Christmas one where there's two guys and they're hanging ornaments on a tree. And one of them's hanging up an ornament of baby Jesus. And he says, man, baby Jesus, I wonder whatever happened to him. And then the other guy sort of looking and kind of cast it. It's like, well, I mean, he lived a perfect, sinless life and, you know, died on the cross for our sins. And the guy, the first guy says, that's the same guy? He goes, yeah, 
yeah. He goes, baby Jesus and cross Jesus are the same guy. He's like, yeah. And then, you know, three days later he rose again. That's the same guy? And then finally he holds up like an ornament that says WWJD. And he's like, is that the same guy? He's like, yes, it's the same guy. See, sometimes we can think of Christmas as just the story of the birth of Jesus. But Jesus was born for a purpose, to be the light of the world. And that ultimately led to Calvary and a cross and then a resurrection because that is the true hope that Jesus brings this morning. In just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to light what we call down here the Christ candle. In fact, Brian and team, if you want to go ahead and make your way up here. This, this candle is going to represent this morning the light of Jesus. As he was born this, this Christmas season and his light lights up. And hopefully as you came in, you grabbed a candle. And, and what you're going to see is we're going to have a couple people in just a few moments. They're going to come and read some scripture about how Jesus is the light of the world. How he pushes back darkness. But the last scripture that's going to be read is going to be a reminder that Jesus then turns around on the Sermon on the Mount and says, you are the light of the world. And what Jesus is saying is this, is take my light of salvation, the message, embody it, let it be a part of you, love it, repent of sin, trust him, and then spread it. And so we're going to have a visual aid in just a moment. We're going to have the lights will turn down in a few moments and it's going to represent the darkness and Jesus will be the only light and then that light, as uh, some of our staff will come forward and they will come and, and start going down the ends of the aisles. And we will begin just passing the light of Christ into the darkness. And at the end of this, as we sing a song, are we singing, what, what song are we singing? Yeah, Silent Night. Of course. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to assume. <laughs> We're going to be singing Silent Night. And I just want you to, as you sing this song, Look at the visual aid in front of you of the darkness that we were in. Oh, but God's plan as his light ripples out to those who are in darkness who now have salvation. I would say this, this morning if you've never accepted Christ, if he's been a stumbling block for you, this morning it's not coincidence, it's providence that you're here this morning. He is the light of the world. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you reside in spiritual darkness. But he is the light of the world. And you have a choice. And if you'd like to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Christ for this Christmas season, the greatest gift, I'll be up here before, after, during, silent night, in between services, would love to talk to you. You can go to our next step desk. But honestly, if you're here with someone who knows Christ, and you're going to be celebrating with them today or tomorrow, you can ask them. If they, see, they'll have the light that came from Christ, and they can tell how to share it with you. Whatever the process that you feel led to do, will you just be obedient to that? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite the three uh, that are going to be reading Scripture, if you'll come forward, and then we will be 
uh, we'll walk through our candle lighting. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the light of the world. God, as we do this candle lighting visual aid, God, may it be an act of worship as we celebrate the plan to send Christ to be our light, to then spread that to the ends of the earth. God, would you push back darkness in people's lives by the light of Christ today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.